fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Here's Justin Hall. Scores. And elite blue liner has given Toronto the lead. Oh, yeah. Hammer time, baby. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I was kind of joking around with Willie before the game, and uh, he was beaver tailing off to the side, and I looked him off. I was already kind of mid-stroke when I saw Will, and I was like, oh, he's going to be so mad at me. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Oh, yeah. Hammer time, baby. <laughs> Put it in deep. All right, everybody, welcome back. Pucks and Deep Podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, we're here with you. Our listeners, welcome. Our viewers, welcome along. We're in the same room. Nice. I think luxury. It, I think it's luxury. It should be deemed as luxury. Uh, something else that is often deemed as luxury is scoring from your defenseman. And we heard a pretty sweet highlight there in the intro. Let's go, Justin Hall. That big clap bomb that seemed like happened forever ago because it's been a while since we recorded. Welcome back, episode 77. Hammer time, baby. Hammer time. I like how you put it in there twice, too. I. That's the reason why I had a bit of a delay uh, towards the end because I was like, man, it's just... I got to let it ride, you know, and here you, you zone in on hammer time, baby, which is great. That seems to be the one, but I zone in at least a little bit on the fact that he says I was already mid stroke <laughs> when, when I saw Willie. So I looked him off and it was a good thing. Anyways, pretty funny. When was the last time you were in mid stroke? <laughs> Not going to answer that. <laughs> Right before I came over, he says. Uh, if I wasn't coming from work, I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, man, welcome back to the studio. Yeah. I think it's a pretty exciting time. I just asked you before we hit the record button how long it had been since we not only recorded, which we figured out to be two weeks, uh, but not only that, but when we were last together in the studio right here in the garage. Um, and that, I think you had said, is our last episode before Christmas, which was our World Junior Preview with Tyler Matteras from SiriusXM NHL Network Radio Channel 91. That is right, and it's good to be back here. Studio's undergone some serious upgrades, modifications, some new equipment, and uh, I, that's I guess we got everything we need now to uh, make magic. So, and I'm I'm situated no I'm situated quite perfectly, my friend, right next to the refrigerator. Oh, could I interest you in a in a beverage? You perhaps? certainly can. <laughs> And what, what, what tickles your fancy? Are you pinting it today? Are you yes. vodka smashing? Or Send over a pint, please. He's getting a pint. So here we go. Friday There's... night podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, every podcast not without one or two typically, but. What am I going to have? I we're think on I'm... a Friday one here. Uh, I'm going to have maybe a, one of these nice vodka smashes. Absolutely fantastic. Cheers, my friend. There you go. Cheers, my friend. And welcome back to everybody here on the Pucks and D podcast. Um, yeah, where do you want to take us? I know we don't want to dive right in. We want to have a bit of a chat here. So where, where, where are you taking me, my friend? Well, we had a busy episode last time, and there was a couple things that we, we glanced over. So we're going to go over a few of these things. Um, maybe not none of them recent news, but uh, I didn't get a chance to see it. I'm glad you screenshotted it, but sent it over to me. But 
if if any of you follow Mr. Coleman here on social media, you might know that he's been known to get into it here and there. But this time it wasn't your fault, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my God, that's where you're going. I had for some reason I spaced out there, had no idea where you were going. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. We teased this on our last episode yeah. a couple weeks ago, yeah. right? All right, so I don't want to go off on too much of a big crazy tangent here, but I'll, I'll give you the gist. I'm working away. It's like, I don't even know, 11 o'clock in the morning or something on a weekday. I'm working away, and my phone dings, and it's Twitter. And I'm like, oh, well, I follow Elliot Friedman. He's the only guy that I have notifications on my phone. When he tweets, I see it. And I'm like, oh, I bet you Elliot ha- probably had something to say or whatever. So I, I open it up, and I wish – I'm not going to waste time looking for it or whatever, but basically the message was like, yeah – I know it was you, Josh Coleman. You're not fooling anybody. Like in your DMs? No. No, it was a tweet at me. I res- so it was, a, it was a respond to a tweet that I responded about something, about the right. Leafs. But it was unrelated to what you were being accused uh, of? Totally unrelated. Okay. okay. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm doing my thing, being my social media presence to my eight followers. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Coleman42. Let's increase that number. But I'm doing my thing, and this random person says, yeah, I knew it was you. You thought you were funny, or you thought you were smart, but you're not. I've sent the uh, pictures of the DMs, and you're done. <laughs> you're done. And, and what, what did you, like, how do you respond to that? How does one respond to that? Those For, a- accusations and not knowing what, what they're even talking about. For once, I was actually working. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Like, I was actually working. I was busy as fuck. And I'm, right. like, trying to get my work done. And I'm, like, I, I don't even know what this is. So I think I messaged back and I said to the guy, like, I'll play along. How much, how much time did you rack your brain, though, thinking, like, okay. What did I do? Because you do put a lot of commentary out there. So did you have a moment where you're, like, ooh, did I say something or? Not on Twitter. Right. On Facebook, yes. Which is, which is why I deleted my original account right. on Facebook. Because okay. I had Facebook in 2007 or yeah. 2006, whatever it 2006, was. 2006, Josh, much dumber than 2021, Yeah, but Josh. listen, I want to I have an asterisk there. Yes, dumber than 2021, Josh. I agree with you 100%. But also the world was different in 2006 True. and 2007. True. There was a lot of different... Uh, verbiage used in the world and whatnot that, you know, it just doesn't fly anymore. We won't go too far. So we won't go too far into that. But anyway, you know, it was, it was time to grow up and be, uh, you know, not, not such a angry person online. I do like to, like you said, get into it with people from time to time, but I pride myself on keeping it on side. Yeah. So how did you respond to this guy? So this guy, I was basically just like, um, I'll play along. Who are you and what are you talking about? And the messages kind of went, four or five back and forth where he was just being very cryptic and saying, I got you. Like, right, you're busted. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> I had a pretty couple good one-liners. I should, well, I'll just direct you. Oh, no, you can't see them because he deleted them. Anyway, who cares? I had a couple of good responses. Like um, he said, don't worry. Uh, don't worry about anything. But when I'm finished with you, the whole world will know who you are. <laughs> And I think I, at that time I responded, that's fantastic. I was could, you on the I, horn with the New York Times I, or something? I said, that's fantastic. I could use the exposure. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I did end up shooting him a DM and I was like, all right, man, like all joking aside, we've had our fun. Who are you and what are you talking about? And he didn't respond. He actually sent another tweet in the same thread. Hey, right. you can private message me all you want. Uh, it's not going to save you. It's in Twitter's hands now. <laughs> Uh, you know, just wait, just you wait, you're doomed, you're done, whatever. Oh God. And then like a short while I blocked him. Cause I was like, whatever, I'm done with this. 
and I'm, you know, you're right. At some point, I was kind of like, oh no, like did I do something? Right. Like, but I'm on Twitter. I'm like, no, there's no chance. Right. There's no chance. So I blocked them, and I end up getting a, a message about two hours later. He uh, messaged me or something, and he said, uh, "Listen, I I really want to apologize. It's not you. It's evident that it wasn't you. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry or what, whatever." J- different Josh Coleman altogether. I guess so. And so he just tried to look you yeah. up and he said another Josh Coleman sent right. me some very disturbing messages, whatever. Like, I don't need to go too far into that, Got but it. but I was like, listen, guy, like, you know, I'm a bigger person, so I will accept your apology, but it's pretty tough. Like you came at me hard. Coming, at, coming at you for a while too. Like hard all afternoon. Yeah. Well, I'd say it for, a, no, no, probably for a good hour. Like, you right. know, we went at it and I mean, it, it distracted me from my work because I was like, I'm about to be canceled. And then the reason why I got scared last go wasn't because of anything that I thought I had done or may have done. It was about actually being canceled because these things could lead to, well, we got to shut this guy down then if we don't know if he's a scammer or he's impersonating someone. Well, and especially not knowing what the hell he's talking about. Like, was Yeah, he, I have no idea. He could have been accusing you of all kinds of shit, right? Yeah. He never actually told you what it was. So anyway, he was sincerely apologetic and he was like, I do, I, I sincerely apologize. I feel really embarrassed. I was like, don't worry about it, man. I was like, these things honestly happen in today's day and age with social media. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm way too much of a easygoing dude to really be upset or anything about this, but I do host a podcast. It is Leafs related. You're a Leaf fan. Why don't you give us a follow and check it out? And he's like, I already have, he says. <laughs> so I said, okay. Cause I said, that was your punishment. Like, you know, for me to give you right. my forgiveness, you follow the Twitter account and you subscribe on YouTube and all that stuff. So sure as shit, we got a new follower out of the deal. All right. Well, isn't that great? You g- gained a fan by being, Accused of something. Alleged. High crimes and misdemeanors. Alleged DMs. Yeah. And I'm looking through my DMs going, who? And I'm kind of looking through my DMs, and I got some pretty cool DMs. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Some pretty sweet uh, guests uh, lined up. Things cooking. Yeah, so like I'm going through my DMs, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, fuck, we booked that guy. You know, like, I got to talk to him, because obviously we had the lockdown. We had to put a lot of our guests on hold. And um, perfect segue, I guess. We do have some pretty exciting guests on the line. Hook, bait, and sinker. And uh, I don't want to go too far into it, but Leaf fans out there, get your treat ready. We got a treat for you. Yeah, we definitely got a treat for you. Okay, uh, getting into some recent news. Uh, Jimmy Rutherford out in Pittsburgh and on his own accord, apparently, or at least somewhat. I don't know if they give if it's one of those like politicians where they give you the dignity of, oh, you can resign if you want, mm-hmm. as opposed to being fired. I'm not really sure. But it was really hard to kind of grasp because it, it was such an abrupt change and, and you, out of nowhere. you figure most teams have no intentions or no plans or, you know, don't go, Hey, if we're out of the playoffs, you know, a month in, we're going to can the GM. Mm-hmm. So this one was a bit of a surprise in the hockey community. Um, what, what, what do you initially make of that? A, why he would want to leave B, why would the team perhaps want to move on from him? Well, I'll start with his aspect. And I mean, this has been widely speculated and talked about for quite some time. So a lot of what I say is going to be based on what I heard, but I'll try and bring you back to what I thought immediately. And it was, he's out anyways. Who wants to be part of the, thanks for being with us. We're not offering you like a you're piece done of this paper. Year. Yeah. Cause and his, he's contract, like, okay, well, his contract was over. Right. He wasn't being extended or at least he, maybe he thought that he wasn't going to be extended right. and decided to end it on his own terms. Because let's be honest, the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins is questionable. Bleak looking at best. Yeah. Right. So not to say that he, you know, cut bait and ran or something from a problem that he created, mm. but 
you'd have a pretty decent argument if that's how you wanted to look at it. But the way I choose to look at it, let's go, is his age, his exposure to a deadly global virus. Right. And his willingness to say, I've done it all. Yeah. You know, he has, I've he, traded all of the first round picks. I can retire. This is true. I mean, he put everything he had in that in that Pittsburgh team. I mean, he's been win now for several years, and he's he did it. They did it. They won back to back cups. Yeah. Uh, how hard is that to do in today's NHL? It's nearly impossible if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So for for the moves he he pulled off, and I know there was a lot, quite a, a number that you know received a heavy amount of criticism. I, I know bringing in Jack Johnson last year, they took a lot of flack for. Uh, you know, the, the Kapanen trade in the offseason, he took some flack for. But you can't say that he didn't go for it always. Oh, absolutely. And do everything they could to make that team competitive. I know the dynamic has changed and, you know, the cap situation has changed. So the outlook is different. But you're right in saying that the well is kind of dry for the Pittsburgh Penguins in terms of they can't mortgage much more of their future when the majority of the draft picks, first-rounders and otherwise, have been traded already by, by Rutherford in, in making these cup runs. So and, and it's easy to trade a number, but it's really difficult to see later on down the road what that number turned into in right. terms of a name. The number becomes a name. Mm-hmm. Does the name become a name that everyone knows or people want in fantasy? Like that's It's just a complete... You took one of the bullets right out of the chamber, but it was for a chance to get you know bigger bullets and do more damage right now. So it's yeah. very easy to look at it as a number. I think Jim Rutherford, Rutherford, obviously, I'll be, I'll be it without all his success in the National Hockey League. I do think that that is clearly his aggressive approach, and I don't know if we're going to see it again. If he's going to come back, was there any? Uh, comments about him potentially returning there wasn't to the a game. Lot. Or? There, I don't believe there's been anything public since just the generic statement you kind of give as you show yourself out, I guess. Right. But, um, you know, I want to talk bold moves here. I mean, Rutherford, no stranger to pulling off bold, big moves, bold moves in order for the Penguins to make those cup runs. But uh, bringing in Ron Hextall is the GM to replace him. Oh, bro, and then the not, surpri- not to interrupt you, but I want to literally just throw back to when Rutherford retired abruptly. I was shoveling my driveway, and I had to stop, and I texted uh, Rich Shapu, who has appeared on the program early in our big Flyers fan. Yep. I texted Rich. I said, I hope your boy Hextall ends up in pity. <laughs> like not I'm calling it or whatever. Yeah. I just said like I I said, man, I would love to see your boy end up in uh, in pity. And sure enough, there he is. Yeah. I thought that was great. You know what? No, all joking aside, I think it was the correct play. I think what Hextall did in Philadelphia was a fantastic job. Well, it's paying off right now. Look it's how good they are. Right now. And Look how good they are. Not bringing Carter Hart into the fold earlier is what got him fired. I'm and, convinced. And really, they brought him in. Pretty early. I mean, he started playing when he was, what, 19? That's right. You know, they gave him some chance to marinate. Hextall has something to prove. And I know he obviously has allegiances, Lesko, like to Philly and whatnot. But I bet you recency bias, he's got a fucking spur under his saddle. Well, yeah, he's got to Over the flyers. Yeah, the way, you know, he was abruptly taken out of there. Absolutely. You know, he's obviously a very competitive guy so but what's he gonna do it, that's the thing that's a whole <laughs> you do a whole episode on what the pittsburgh penguins should do or well, shouldn't can we do get into it but dude? there's uh they th- gotta trade sid the kid 
I suppose they do. They kind of have to. Otherwise, they're going to go into the worst, worst slide that they've ever had. And they've already had one slide that led to bankruptcy. And then they had another slide that almost led to bankruptcy. Their fucking superstar player had to buy them. Yeah, I think they're in a different position financially than they were uh, in those times. Yeah, that's very fair. uh, Yeah, the Sid thing's a difficult one. You got to think Sid is probably in control of his own destiny. Mm. Uh, He lived with the owner. So I think that, you know, stands for something in terms of he lives on his own future. now, though. Eh? He moved out. Yeah, I think he moved out. They're not <laughs> sleeping in bunk beds anymore. Um, <laughs> bunk but going back to bold moves, I think the the surprising move out of this whole uh, shuffle in Pittsburgh is that Brian Burke was hired as the president of hockey operations. So my immediate impression there is that there are some bold moves to be made in one direction or another. I can't tell you which one because I'm kind of leaning towards tear down rebuild type shit but there could be a bigger obstacles to that i.e. Sid so Sid's the only option why, bro but why do you bring in a guy like Burke unless you are going madly in one direction or the other now Burke hasn't really been in I can't really recall a tear down situation that Burke's been brought in a lot of guys don't want those tear down jobs but Burke spoke so highly of Pittsburgh when he got hired and said you know, I'd been offered jobs. I'd been offered other jobs and said no, but I said yes to this one. Big old Berkey. Well, I've I mean, been offered it, a few jobs. You go from and 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 probably for the the Penguins executives and, and the ownership, they look at Jimmy Rutherford. Guy's been GMing since the '80s, I'm pretty sure. And you bring in another guy who's been around the NHL for 30 plus years. All right, we're getting into it. The only option is Sidney Crosby. How many first-round picks do you get for Sidney Crosby? Well, he signed through 2024-2025. Okay, first question. Do you play the year out first and see how it goes? Yes. Like, no no, no deadlines. Assuming they're, the reason being assuming is, they're at least a playoff bubble team in and around the deadline. Yes, because the reason it being it is a divisional year. You yeah. only play the division this year, right? So the likelihood of you getting back in, I feel, might be more within your control than previously because you got teams in your division heading out west playing games that don't matter out west and then right. the, backup, more the backup goalie out control west control of your own destiny yeah every game is so huge so if they could get back in position then it's huge so yeah I agree with you saying that you play out the year but let's just fast forward you know whether they do well or not what is the play and there is no play other than double down and trade more firsts and seconds they don't. I, I or, have to check, but they probably Sydney don't Crosby. have many. They probably don't have many to trade. Like I would, I would love to know, but I, I believe they don't have a whole lot of ass, assets to go around. Does Cap Friendly show us that? So, yeah, they do. I so gotta they have, think they have no first rounder next year. They have a sec. They only have a second, a fifth, and three sevenths. They don't have a first. They don't have a third. They don't have a fourth, and they don't have a sixth. Okay. And then in twenty twenty two, they have everything. Okay, so, so it's only so not next that year. far out. Okay, so that gives them some time to decide as to whether they want to bottom out and utilize their first for the first time in how, however many years it's been. But uh, but how do you do I, that? I'm to really Sydney Crosby. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big proponent in this case, like I said, of going drastically in one way or another. But they could have also brought Burke in for a retool on the fly type thing. Still going to be bold moves involved. There's still going to be a shakeup, like a serious shakeup. Bold moves, Cotton. But I think. Like Burke always wants to be in a winning situation. I feel like, 
you know, let's take what the team said publicly at face value. The team said, we're still in win now. <sighs> they have no cap space. They have Tristan Jari. Yeah. That's, that's why you bring in Berkey, though. Like, you think about when the Bur- Burke era started the Maple Leafs, that was a, a pretty disaster. dismal team, you know? They, and they, within, what, two years, he brings in Kessel and Phaneuf. So, you know, say what you will, hindsight on those deals. Yeah. But drastic change. Of no, the, that's right. The face, the, the yep. pieces on those teams. I so. mean, my biggest question mark here, bro, is like Evgeny, the job is Evgeny half Malkin. What are you going to do with Evgeny Malkin? At 9.5 mil for this year and next. He takes up more cap space than Sidney Crosby does. Mm -hmm. And Crosby signed for way further. Like way longer. Three more years Mm -hmm. for Crosby at 8.7. Now, I understand that he'll be getting to the twilight of his career by then, but we're talking about Sidney Crosby, Lesko. I understand those guys are the biggest trade chips you have. But my my feel my gut feels that they they both are still there next season. Oh, I, they are. If I was a betting man, I'd be putting all my money on on that. I feel will. it's more about moving the deck chairs around Sid and Malkin. Like, do you think you could get a get one of your second round picks back this upcoming year if you package like a like a Kasperi Kapanen? I don't. You know what I mean? Like, there's just what a weird situation, bro. I can't wait to see where they go. Yeah, and I'm very interested to see how the rest of the season goes for them. Uh, Right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins are sitting in fifth place in the division just outside the playoffs uh, with uh, 17 points, so two points behind the Washington Capitals as of today. Uh, Another big shakeup that we didn't have an opportunity to discuss in the previous episode was the one that was recently announced at Sportsnet. And apparently this shakeup goes beyond just Tim and Sid. Okay, so for those of you who might not have heard, uh, Sid Sixero, uh, after a long and illustrious career in sports media with The Score mm-hmm. and then Sportsnet, uh, is leaving for breakfast television on City. Uh, so that you know that that's a huge chunk of Sportsnet's programming, basically running in the drive home hours. We could say, and it's yeah. simulcast TV and radio, radio yeah. like so Overdrive. It's their version of Overdrive. Basically, yeah. Of, right? So we're going to see a new a new program, Until likely soon. on TV, radio, or both. And uh, potentially new talent getting shuffled around. So Tim and Jay, Tim and uh, who's Jay? Jay Onright. Well, this is the wrong network. I know, but can we find? Uh, can we somehow find a resolution? Well, no, they'll, they'll go hire Dan O'Toole. That's what they'll do. I don't know if anyone's hiring Dan O'Toole. No, he seems very bitter. Well, I mean, like I, I don't want to harp on Dan O'Toole. He's like very. The, we'll, we'll he's get, had some some less than ideal moments on you know social media. But, true. I mean, you know. Uh, Mental issues are a real bitch, man. Like, and everybody goes through them, whether it's a high degree, middle degree, low degree. We all have stress, anxiety, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, it's just too bad that it was that it that it came to light so much over over the course of the recent year. Mm-hmm. But man, if I'm Dan O'Toole, I'm less upset about the whole Bell Let's Talk thing and all of his tweets that he you know fired out and then subsequently removed on Twitter, which I think was a great decision, Mister O'Toole. However, um, I'd be less mad about that and more mad about the fact that TSN is paying four separate people to broadcast the same hockey game to two different TSN yeah. channels. But that's On not TSN. their fault, though. Well, how is that not their fault? It's, it's the NHL's fault because of regional fucking blackouts. Yeah, that's but why. no, but they don't have to... They don't have to... They don't have to have two separate broadcasts, two different play-by-play guys, two different color commentators, and use the same they cameras. They have to be two different feeds. 
It's it's totally two different things. And you have to have like you have to have like them hosting with like a you know, like the game last sends, night. Sends There's on sends, TSN. Right. Sends yeah. on TSN, Leafs on TSN. But or that's what I'm saying. Sportsnet so, or so whatever. Why are you firing one of your all time, you know, loved uh hosts, not only in Daniel Tool, but also Natasha Stanisevsky? Yeah, She's so I'll, I'll intro the story here since we just dove right head. Yeah, we dove. I had, I, had tr- I had a segue and everything, and you just fucking steamrolled me. Um, <laughs> I'm passionate. So what, what I was going to say is, contrary to their biggest competitor, Rogers is doing a massive hiring spree at Sportsnet right now. So tons of jobs out there in sports media, uh, in, really? in networks and media right now. If you're interested, check that out. I, Wait, I know it's so, a few weeks back they posted them, but so Sportsnet is like we want people hire exact opposite. And TSN right. is like, get out of here. So let's talk about TSN. Talk about Bell Media, right? So they, wow. laid, they laid off hundreds of employees across Canada days after their hugely successful Let's Talk Day raised $7.9 million for mental health. Good on them. Yes, of course. Uh, of course, as we talked about briefly there, Dan O'Toole uh, absolutely ripped Bell on Twitter, uh, kind of tying right. in the, the mental health uh, aspects of being fired. Right. Uh, so he wasn't the only high-profile personality who went down. Uh, there's Brent Wallace and Natasha Stanislavski, as you mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think probably the worst thing I heard were was uh, people getting texts saying like, "Oh, uh, that's terrible news," and then going, "What news?" And people being fired over two-minute phone calls. And if you're uh, lucky enough to work for Vancouver uh, TSN Radio or in the Winnipeg and Hamilton markets, you were fired by Green Day and a robot. Oh my God, you absolutely were fired by Green Day. I hope you had the time of your life. Good really not, riddance. I mean, like, feel the room. You know, feel the room. You just had employees in here from the 6 to 8 who, o'clock who hours. Who fires people mid-show? Or 7, yeah, Like middle of the eight. day. They, 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 had, they had one hour remaining of their three-hour show. Yeah. And the guy came in and was like, get your shit and get out. And he's like, and, her, insane. And, and I don't know if you read this part too, but they were like, by the way, hurry up because security is waiting. And if you're not yeah. gone in like, I think they gave them a half an hour. If you're not gone in a half an hour, security is escorting you yeah. out. So I would hurry. That's gutless. Like, okay, there's, I don't care how big of a company you are and who you delegate to and how many levels of management it's got to go through. Why do you have to be that you aggressive? You got to treat people with respect. And, and I'm talking the guy who works in the booth at the radio station right up to the guy who's hosting the morning program on TSN. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, that's it's behind not a the good microphone lo- or behind the glass. Look. It's not a yeah. good look at all from from Bell, who's somebody who is, you know, most people hate them for various reasons, but is known to be a pretty reputable employer. And I mean, good company to work for. Can I tell you why I don't like them? Well, I, we could go on about this for It a won't long be time. too long. Why I came like home them? one day when there was six feet of snow. I think it was Monday when we got fucking six feet of snow here. I came home and I was getting ready to snow blow. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to risk the cord because you know I had, I had that cord going across yes. my driveway. So everybody, Josh Coleman has his satellite cord. No, it's gone. Running across his drive. But why is it gone? Because I, oh, okay. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> so I was reeling in the cord because I was being smart and I said I'm going to reel Didn't in the cord. Didn't want to chew that up. Didn't want to chew it up. So I was reeling in the cord and I reeled in the, the completely dusted, broken end. And I was like, what the fuck happened? What ended up happening, I figured out moments later, Someone did me a solid and swiped me out just very briefly, like one swipe this way and one swipe that way. Yeah, I gave you a nice plow. Gave me a nice plow. Thanks, guy. Ripped the fucking cord out of my satellite dish. Didn't so, expect a wire to be running through so the So it's, it's 10, it's 10 a.m. 
I get on the horn with Bell and I go, hey guys, I got a wire cut. I made very certain just to tell them, just to tell them that I got my wire cut because I figured that's like an emergency call. They'll send someone out right away. Um, So I told them I had a wire cut for my satellite TV and the guy booked me for an appointment. He's like, yeah, they'll be there tomorrow between 8 and 5 p.m. I was like, that's garbage, but fine, I can be here. Um, So he texts me the next day. I drive over. I'm all pumped. It's like 10 a.m. I'm like, man, this is great. He goes, yeah, so you're having internet problems? I'm like, no, it's my satellite dish. He goes, oh, yeah, they sent me, and I'm an internet guy. I can't even help you. Oh, man. So he drove in and just fucking got in his van and drove away, and I called Bell back, and I was like, listen, guys, I don't want to get too upset about you or anything here, but, like, this is fucked up. And I, I gave them a couple of white lies. I was like, oh, I had to take work off, you know, and, and, and they gave me $15 on my that's, bill. That's what you got? Yeah, and I'm like, listen. How long did it I take said, you to get that $15? Well, it'll be on my next bill. Yeah. I said, listen, I don't even fucking care about the $15. I want someone here today. Fix the Leafs kid. play tonight, yeah. and I want to watch the game. I didn't tell them that I can stream it illegally, but I was like, I want to watch the Leafs tonight. You better get someone here tonight because if it's tomorrow, I have to take another day off work tomorrow. Well, Sure enough, it was the ended up being tomorrow, and the guy came and he did it all, and it's gone, and it's great and everything. But like, that's why I dislike Bell because you can't fuck up an appointment like that if you tried to. Oh man, you Bell, we're talking about Bell here. It's ridiculous, we're ta- dude. We're ta- what a waste you, like, of on. everyone's time. Why? Man. Like, how are I? We're not, I think what's most surprising about this story is how thrown off you are by Bell's lack of customers. They're no, like the worst. I'm in, not in thrown history. off by but it. You, I'm like, mad about it. I, I just, I'm amazed at how mad you are by it just because it's like it's the most unsurprising thing I've ever heard because I canceled any service I had with that company over like over 10 years ago because it, they are the worst. Bro, they're the only company that will give me Leaf games in HD. I've been through this. Right. We have been through this yeah, on well, the you, show. You live in the sticks now too, so. Garbage. Limited selection. You live in Pembroke and you live like, what, six minutes away from here and apparently you get to watch it and someone that lives in fucking Eganville down the road gets to watch it. It's the worst system in the history. Kojiko's to blame, Rogers to blame, they're all to blame, but I guess you're right, it all comes down to the fucking NHL because it's their decision to do all these black. That's right. I wouldn't have to do all this runaround if it weren't for that. So that's right. You are correct, but in this instance, man, oh man, Bell was on my short list, boy. Yeah. So uh, nobody's too happy with them. Uh, I'll, I'll just go in really quickly on some of the other things that need to be pointed out uh, in context with this story, and that's just obviously the horrible optics of this. Um, Bell actually tapped into the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program and received $122 million in wage subsidies for, from the government before they decide to lay these people off. They also are, uh, raked in $22 billion in revenue in 2020, which is down, down 15%. With so a B. I, I would call that a, you know, a significant decrease, I guess, when you're talking billions here. But they oddly enough, they increased their shareholders' dividend by 5.1% uh, for 2021- and they're sitting on $3.8 billion in cash, liquidity, right? So doesn't sound like someone who's struggling, but I think that's why that, that probably made this so, so shocking. And I think the other part is the manner in which they decided to do this, which was sounds, you know, to me, Bush League. <laughs> like, that's how I expect to get fired from, like, a Foxconn factory that makes iPhones in China. Yeah, sure. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Grab Beat your it. shit. Beat it. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, all the big wigs made their money 
including the majority stakeholders and whatnot. Well, I, I guarantee there wasn't any executive who was taking pay cuts last year. How do, how do they how do they shed? You know, it's like any company. You know, the the guy the guy at the top's making millions of dollars, and they have a bad year. Doesn't come out of his pocket. That's right. Somebody gets laid off. That's yeah. how they pay for it. No, that's right. And in the grand scheme of things, like you said, I mean, we're talking billions with a B. You know, it's a lot. Um, so when they experience a, a poor quarter or, like you said, negative 15% in growth, like that, that's, there's going to have to be answers for that. Um, you know, and unfortunately, those answers are the loss of jobs. You can be as mad at Bell as you want, but when you look at it like a total Neanderthal, it's food chain. And then everyone else. Yeah, and you and look money at the, is food. You look at the media landscape and the telecommunications landscape in this country, and it's pretty close to a monopoly when it comes to Bell and its largest competitor, Rogers. So yeah, and I don't mean to defend Bell with that analogy. I'm just breaking it down. That's like, just the situation. Dan O'Toole is unfortunately nobody, even though he's on TV and he's mm -hmm. you know famous nationwide. Yeah, he's technically nobody on the food chain that is Bell. Right. Correct. Like uh, exactly. That's. It's always interesting to hear these stars on television and radio mention like people who make more than me who make these decisions or the guy in the office who wants it done this way. Like you'll hear odd allusions to it. Yeah. Sometimes O'Dog will say something on an overdrive or whatever. And it, it, you forget that they are not in the driver's seat at the end of the day. Of their own show. Of their own show, of, of the, something they built and made successful. At the end of the day, there are people who, like a million times more powerful than from them who are pulling the strings. So yeah, absolutely. It, it puts it into perspective, I guess, for us. Uh, let's move down south uh, to the snowy south, apparently, right now. Big old cold snap down the states. Yeah, what but, was it, like uh, minus 20, man? Oh, yeah. And, and Texas is shut down. I was shipping some stuff down there. Just dead stop. <laughs> I was shipping some stuff down there. This is crooked and I got a lot of customers bothering down me. there. Well, that's not time to fix it. I guess not. It's not time. All right. Uh, Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Oh, my God. What's worse, Bell or the Arizona Coyotes? That's a tough one. <laughs> Probably Arizona. Man, oh, man. I feel Bell like is the least profitable. We've been, we, <laughs> we've been chirping the Coyotes since we started this podcast. And if we would have started the podcast six years earlier, I think we still would have been chirping they the Coyotes. They would have been central in content. And, and that's man. the thing is like – they were supposed to turn a corner. You got new ownership. You got billionaire pockets in there. And that owner was pumped to be there. Well, it sure made it sound that way, but he it was, it seemed very pumped, too, to talk about the family environment and dynamic that he wanted to instill in the workplace, which uh, apparently, according to Katie Strang of The Athletic, who absolutely crushes some investigative journalism in this article, you don't see a lot of that in sports. Like, this sounds like a Rick Westhead type bomb deep dive like deep dive into some serious stuff she interviewed over 50 people talking about vendors talking about business partners uh current and former employees and if they they want to keep that mantle as the biggest dumpster fire in the nhl how long do you think she worked on this i'm gonna say a year six months at least eight months yeah six months because she a was year. citing stuff that happened in june and like tracing the timeline kind of from basically from Cheka which we talked about in depth on the show. And this actually uh, created something for us, right? Uh, we, we all kind of speculate on the Cheka situation. Right. And then we come to find out that no wonder he wanted to get the hell out of there. He, he was apparently willing to break 
con- contracts and rules to get out of that. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, we, along with a lot of other people, were kind of harping on Cheka too, right? Because I mean, he he was involved in the draft, uh, draft, yeah, the gate. draft fiasco, draft yep. gate, right? So I mean, like we just connected those dots and said, okay, well, Chayka's, you know, he must, he must be a piece of shit and out he goes, you know, mm-hmm. he's trying to circumvent the system and, you know, but maybe that's not the way it is. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was directed to do those mm-hmm. things by his owners, you know, like maybe you have that information. Yeah. I don't know. You got lots of information on this. Eh? Yeah. So there's, I like it. I do have a bit of a summary here, a little too long, didn't read, but I, I implore you, if you uh, do subscribe to The Athletic, go check it out. Uh, it was reported by secondary sources as well. That's how big this story has become. Uh, even so much so that it did prompt a response from the, I guess, the Murillo family organization of businesses or whatever to toot his horn, basically call call uh, Katie a liar and uh, allude to legal um, legal action legal action her. which it ain't no way that's going to happen that's a saving face mo- uh, move because the athletic would absolutely go to court with them because then they'd have to expose they'd have to prove her wrong and, ex- and they would have to start turning exposing over exposing their own exactly. stuff emails and everything if there's one thing you'll note if you did read the coyote statement on this they didn't deny one thing she said in that statement not one Really? They did like, not there was deny no, anything. There was no flat out. It was like, all smoke bombs and attacking her and her credibility. And so here, here's the too long didn't read for anybody. Cody's basically been burning bridges with longtime employees, uh, uh, business partners, vendors, and sponsors. And uh, one of the critical elements of the story is fighting over invoices. So basically what they were doing was not paying you. So you're, you're net 30. You got 30 days to pay. And around 200 60 grand. days, they would get calls, you know, like calls, 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 interest would pile up, and they they wouldn't pay, wouldn't pay. And then they would call up, and they so they would have, like, not somebody working, like, for the Coyotes hockey team, but somebody that they put in there, or somebody who worked for this organization, right, call up the supplier and say, yeah, you know what, we're, we're, we want to pay you, like, we're going to pay you, like, 60%. Of what we owe. Of what we owe. And these companies, you know, off, also struggling during the pandemic, a lot of them relented. They're like, okay, well, this is probably all we're going to get. Apparently, the Coyotes are bro- going broke all of a sudden. But and these are longtime suppliers of the Coyotes, like t- the team or companies that've been doing things for them for several several years. So these guys who own the Coyotes now, they own pizza chains, radio stations, uh, a few different things. So basically, what they have tried to uh, transplant is that whole lean squeeze every penny out of a business, cut costs wherever possible in order to help turn a profit, but applying it to a sports team. Right. And I can tell you right now, that's not how you run this type of organization. I know they're not not-for-profit. They're there to turn a profit, but it doesn't work for sports teams because there's more than profit and there's people and sports involved. Like it's just... There's more facets to it than looking at it from a straight dollars and cents. And what they're doing, and I kind of work in this in this sector of business so I can speak to it, but what they're doing to their vendors by going and, and, and trying to ha- haggle over line items on invoices, that is despised. Yeah. It's low. Like it's it's low. Yeah, you're not... It's one, you're, it's one thing if you get the invoice and the next day you're like, hey, I think you overcharged me on this. No big deal. We'll correct it. Yeah. But if you're waiting and waiting and waiting, 
till you owe them more than you, you originally did. And then you call on them to tell them like, actually, we only want to pay this. We shouldn't pay, have to pay for that. Like it's shady business practices. That's Trump stuff. That's what that <laughs> is. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. I, I think I was reading in the article that one of the invoices was upwards of 200 grand and the coyotes had only offered to pay half of it or one 120 or something like mm-hmm. that. It was, it was a far cry from what was owed. Right. And that vendor did accept because they needed the cash. And yeah. that's just terrible. Um, and another one that I was reading in the article was that a game went to overtime and the like the cost for ordering pizza for the team and the staff was 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 rejected rejected, denied yeah the expense was denied that's the other thing that was a common theme that uh katie strang was hearing from uh former employees and employees that she interviewed were saying like yeah like uh, just the most ridiculous uh expenses that you would normally be able to to claim at any Easy, time, yeah. we're getting we're getting denied left and right. So, okay, it's one thing to find places to cut costs, but you got to think like Arizona Coyotes are there still today because of two things: their fans and their business relationships, their relationships in the community of Glendale, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. these are these the are the give backs and stuff, that have continued yeah. to sponsor the team, that have continued to you know if you're a supplier of that team and you're supplying them with something, chance are you selling them a lot of something. You're probably giving them a pretty decent deal to begin with. You know, they're probably a large account of yours. And for them to go and it must be unfortunate too to have dealt with them for several years and be like, yeah, they've been pleasant to deal with despite all the turmoil or whatever. Yeah. Because what what Katie's <clears throat> hearing from their vendors is that yeah, everything was fine based on until these guys took over and now they don't want to pay their bills. And the other thing is once they agree, or once they said, "Yeah, fine, fuck it, we'll take your 120 grand," they were paid immediately. Yeah. So it's not as if they didn't have the cash. It's not as if they don't have the cash to pay. All right. So let me ask you a question on more of a broad scheme, like a broad look at the organization. What do you think is the solution? Is there a solution? What do you think? could help this team? And it's a loaded question because I have my own answer and I can't wait to tell you. Yeah. So I think right now, I, I don't know what they do because right now, based on the situation that, that's been painted in this article, they have put non-hockey people in hockey positions. That's part of why they dra- that draft debacle they had where they drafted that racist kid. Right. Basically, nobody who with any hockey, anything... Was yeah, involved in that draft pick, Fuck. and the other person I got I got a point to is Bill Armstrong should be ashamed of himself the way he came out on that article and what he said to her. So basically, what he said to Katie Strang was, "Oh well, uh, I don't think you're doing your job very well, and how would you like it if I went and told the other GMs about how bad you are at your job?" Basically saying like, "Oh, Blackmail. shut up, honey. I'm gonna go. I'll go blackball you in the league, and we'll see. Ruin we'll your see career. how you do, right?" By the way, Bill Armstrong, never heard of you before he got hired for the Coyotes. Okay, long-time scout successful with the St. Louis Blues, good player evaluator. But, buddy, slow your roll a little bit here. You've been a GM for like six months of the dumpster of the NHL. And man Calm up. Calm down. And man up. And like, man that, up. That's a fucking Either don't answer move. the questions and say, I politely decline or no comment. Like, that, that's greasy shit. I agree. Like, he comes off as an asshole. And he's on record for that, and exactly. that sucks and for he, him. He doesn't, Good for him, though. He doesn't sound like the apologetic type, but he, he certainly owes her an apology. I think And I so. hope, at least personally, that he has apologized to her. Yeah. And it shouldn't take her going public with that, which he should have known she'd do, for him to apologize, but nonetheless... It will. 
I would probably hope that why. he would. Yeah. All right. So you. So want- what do they do? I, I have no idea because the people who own this team and who have injected their business philosophies and their people into this team and their capital <laughs> are at the helm. So it's no wonder that you have people jumping ship and hopefully more people like Shane Doan who are jumping back in trying to trying to salvage things and make sure it doesn't go too far off the rails because we know the NHL wants this franchise to succeed at all costs at all costs. Yeah, we already we do already know that. Um all right, so my, my solution is something that's revisionist history, and it's also out of the Coyotes' control. The only thing that I believe that would have saved the Arizona Coyotes, and I'm talking about them as if they're already gone, because I do firmly believe that it is only a matter of time. Even though the NHL and Gary Bettman has come to bat time and time again, I think eventually it's just time to move on. Mm-hmm. And when things like this continue to pile up, dysfunctional ownership. One of the employees said, if I was talking to a future employer, I would call it dysfunctional. If I'm being frank, I'd call it a shit show. So it's just, I think it's just a matter of time until they're gone. And I think the only thing that could have and would have, I think it absolutely would have saved the Arizona Coyotes franchise is drafting Austin Matthews. I think that would have been the only thing that would have saved them. It would have been right. like their hero coming home. He would have had Austin's, you know, Poppy's kids or you think whatever. People might have lined up to buy that team had they drafted a superstar. Absolutely, a homegrown superstar. He would have saved the franchise. He would have boomed the franchise. He would have turned the franchise around. And I think it's still possible from their perspective. Like, hey, let's look at when this guy's contract expires, and we can offer him max dollar. Right. What Whatever the max dollar is, max contract, we will offer it to him. He's still going to have to take it, okay? But the, the question remains, are they interested in doing that? Is that their plan? It, I think it has to be. I think their plan back in 2016 should have been to, to trade everything that Toronto wanted. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, we will give it to you. They didn't have it, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> they didn't but, have it. But they'd have picks upon picks upon picks upon right, picks. Like, right. we could have just, we could have picked a whole yeah. fucking team I, with all the picks they would have given us just to be able to draft a franchise saving player. Yeah. And they are a team that needs saving. The only way that they are, they, they're, they I guess, move on or, or, or the franchise recovers. Real, oh, you, that, oh, stays in, stays in stay Arizona. Stay in Arizona. Okay is that somehow these guys get pushed out or whatever happens or they move on or they force a sale. Because right now, the league says there's no open investigations. But as Elliot Friedman reported, what the biggest question that he was got getting from different executives around the league was this apparent alleged misappropriation of the industry growth fund. So what happens is this industry growth fund is a pool of money that's uh, basically... Uh, based on your revenue, you contribute to it, and then it's allocated around the league. Okay. So this is misappropriation of funds that affect the salary cap and that affect you know what teams have to give where. So that's going to be something that's definitely going to get their attention. But to take it back, the only way I think this franchise is saved is if it gets sold to the brightest business mind in hockey, Paul Bissonnette. Oh my God! Could you imagine, dude? That would be. He so doesn't cool. have that kind of money, but if he could like form a group of like. Rich guys who do or form a company and get investors or something. They'd have fans. I don't know. Like, uh, 
Dude, they'd have fans. They'd have you know, fans across the continent. He might not continent. be the brightest guy ever, but like honestly, that guy could market himself out of a quicksand if he had to. <laughs> I right? agree. Like, I agree. That's I, such a I, great it's, point. It's a joke, but it's almost not. It's almost I, not. It's almost not. I'm so. only half joking, as they say. You know what, though? Let's go. You pointed. You you, you alluded to an investigation. I want to stick on that just quickly before we move on. There has to be an investigation. Wasn't there sexual harassment allegations? That's the other thing as well. I mean, that's something that if they tried to sweep that under the rug. That's something that should be looked into, but but the Pittsburgh Penguins, Bill Guerin, there were some allegations as when Bill Guerin was assistant GM in Pittsburgh, sexual assault allegations that were brushed under the rug by Bill Guerin, and he is now GM of Minnesota, and that was a bit of a controversy for about two days, and there we have we heard a peep about it. You're now, right. that's not to say that nothing's going on behind the scenes in terms of what the NHL is doing about that. But I'm gonna guess it's probably not. It's much. probably nothing. Probably nothing. It's nothing. Odds are it's nothing. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, one more. Can we talk about something good? Yeah. Uh, sure. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, like we still have to get to the Leafs, so that's whatever you whatever you want to make of it. But Man. Um, one more thing. Lesko's list. Uh, obviously, read the piece by Katie Strang in the Athletic on the Coyotes and that shit show. But uh, one of my all-time favorites, Mark Savard published an article in the Players' Tribune where he discussed his experience basically post-Cook hit, post-career when he tried to come back, and what his life was like. And it is eye-opening and tragic and terrible. And and, honest. And honest. It's very, very honest. And I just implore you to go to the Players' Tribune and read that article. It, It really gives you insight into something that, that really we had no idea about for a long time. I mean, he didn't even really come out with this story in this level of detail until about four or five years ago. Right. And here, yeah, here, the, like the whole not even having memory. Basically, of, saying like, no, like the Paul no memories, thing. having to sit in the dark for hours yeah. and not being able to see his kids or his family or watch TV or do anything. He right. Had to sit in the dark because any senses or like sensory anything would 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 mess up his mind and like freak him out, you know, crippling anxiety, depression, all that stuff. Uh, it's a really good read. And uh, so check that article out. Um, one of my favorite players throughout the two thousands, just cause he was like an undersized, um, undersized Set up guy. Yeah. Undersized player. Like he, he reminded me of, of St. Louis kind of, and yeah. just amazing playmaker. And unfortunately, you know, I wasn't there when they hoisted the cup at the end of the day, but was a major part of that team when they did uh, raise it in 2011. I agree. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It is, you know, it was similar to the Paul Correa scenario, eh? Um, where there, it's, it's, it's a big hit. It's a big moment. It's a big moment in your career. And of course, unfortunately for Mark Savard, it was a career ending moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it's almost, it's similar in the sense where you go a long time without really talking about it mm-hmm. and then it comes back into the fold. Yeah. So, and it's from a different era. Like I know it doesn't sound like that long time ago, or it doesn't feel like that long ago to us, but the way head injuries, the progression around knowledge around concussions, head injuries has tra- changed so drastically in the last decade. And it's it's for the good, obviously, but it, it really gives you a bit of insight as to what it was like at that time. And I know we've talked about it and we've said this several times, but the way it used to go was there was no quiet room. It was, you good, man? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And that was the evaluation. And yeah, I think I'm went. good. Off he went. And he admits that he said, yeah, I'm good, even though he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because it was the playoffs, and he wanted to get back in there. And he tried, and he got hurt, and he paid the the price for years for it. But do you think about it? We're not NHLers, but we played. 
Even down at the minor league level, you're the like, no, thing. let me go. Hey, coach, uh, coach asks you how you're feeling. You tell him you're good. You're good. You're let going me go. back out there. I broke my know? ankle and tibia and fibula all at the same time yeah. and tried to go again. No, I literally broke a vertebrae and played another game of hockey after. Played. So that's, and that was just me thinking I had a concussion. It's a stinger and, or a concussion. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And then, you know, a week later, you, you can't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. So you're done. You could be done. Like, you could have yeah. been done totally. The precaution, like, yeah, you think about the precautions and how fortunate I am having played the sports that I did and the, the head trauma and impact I had that. You know, I never had any actually diagnosed concussions. Did I have any? Probably a few. Probably a few times I distinctly remember. And it's just so fortunate to hear that to or it's it's interesting to hear how bad it could have been or how bad it really is because even I had no concept of of how much risk I was taking on in certain situations. Yeah, it was just get back out. Right. It was just get back up and get back out. Yeah. Uh, the other day, uh, you, myself, and our boy Lee have this uh, little Leafs group chat going on, I guess, yeah. Leaf games when yeah. we can't get together, obviously, uh, during the shutdown and all that, um, just to keep in touch and bitch about whatever. But we were bitching a lot, <laughs> about, the, bitch. a lot about the officiating lately. I've seen a ton of chatter online oh, about God. the officiating, and, and we, we've made our points you know, known on the show numerous times about... You know, tap on the gloves is nothing, but cross-check boarding is, it's, you know, it, it's, it's so inconsistent, wildly inconsistent, but I believe the Leafs were up in the lead, and there was, you know, there was a call that was, that, that it was like, there's no way that's a penalty. Are you talking about the Kerfoot stick on stick? Yeah, like the- Worst it, call in the history even, of the It league. wasn't even anything. It was actually stick on stick. It was stick it was on com- bottom stick. A completely legal play. It wasn't even near his hands. It and, was stick on bottom stick. in that stick. game, he had gotten like dummied from behind and it was nothing. And it just got me thinking, the Leafs were up too at this point. And it got me thinking about even up calls. We always, everyone knows about the even up call. And even the commentators say it so casually. Like, oh, well, I guess uh, that's the even up, you know. That's and the even and up. we just accept that the as hockey fans, call. as a part of hockey. And it got me thinking about the pity call. The pity call is when the Leafs are up 5-1 and Kerfoot goes and might have touched someone's glove and the ref is just itching. Like, get these guys in the power play. Let's get them back in it. Let's get what is it possible? My question to you now is: It possible? Is there any possible way to get those out of the game? No. Or is that a human nature thing? It's human nature. You reffed. Yeah, I did. I did, and I will admit, I will admit fully. I was I was a teenager reffing, so what did I care? But like, I will admit what you're about to admit. I understood from the other side of the coin because I was the player that I was watching when I was reffing. This guy's going to fuck up anytime. Anytime he does something, he's gone. This kid's a lot. This kid's a loose cannon. He's an asshole. Like, what? As soon as he does something. <laughs> I right? can't wait to get this kid a penalty. You won't even notice when the other player does something because you're so busy watching this other guy. And the other thing is, like, you as uh, almost like wanting to be entertained. You're like, oh, well, these guys are getting crushed. Like, let's get them on the power play. I'll call that one. <laughs> even though, it. like, even though, like, in the heat of a game, a tie game. Garbage call. I guess what, my, what I'm saying is, Anything that you wouldn't call in a tie game, don't call. Yeah, it, it's human nature. Much the same as when we move into the playoffs. It becomes a lot more, you know, it's got to be egregious in order for it to be a call. Like, you're not going to get a call just because, you know, it looks like a penalty. Here, you can dig gotta, it. <laughs> well, I'm talking. I'm going to drink all these. I'm talking. You can dig it out right. on your own. But, um, oh, man, you threw me off. I don't even know what Sorry. I was going to say. That's okay. So, the, the what I was getting at is, 
they're not going to call penalties, you know, in the playoffs like they would in the regular season. So it's similar to that aspect. But I, oh, I remember what I was going to say. I remember, I remember, I remember one time. I'm so glad I remembered. I remember one time I was repping the silver stick. I think I was like 19 or 18. I had just finished actually playing hockey, so I was. I was refereeing the oldest category. They were only like a young, uh, a no, year. Midget. Yeah, midget. Major midget. Major yeah. midget. Yeah, exactly. So they were only like a year or two younger than me. And obviously, like a lot of them were way bigger than me. Oh, yeah. And I remember this one guy, he hit me with a puck. And I was like, oh, and I was like, take a look. You know, that's what you yell. Take a look. You know, I yell, take a look. And he goes, he skates by me. He goes, I did take a look right where I was shooting it. Right. So I'm like, oh, I see. So Smart guy, eh? skates skates over. Later on, I see him. He's standing right next to me because the faceoff's happening or whatever. I can't remember exactly, but I I was right next to him, and I said, I'm gonna call you for a penalty for nothing. Just told him straight up. I told him right in his ear. I'm calling you on Did a penalty for nothing. He's like, what? I said nothing. Blew the whistle, and I said, back to play. Fucking play goes long. Boom. Hand goes in the air. Fucking, I got 23 white right here on a slash. Boom. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he, he's trying to tell anyone. He's trying to tell anyone that would listen. This guy, t- this guy, he told me he was going to call <laughs> me for a penalty or whatever. And I was like, get in the box, kid. Get in the box. It was just one of the greatest moments of my refereeing career was that moment where I uh, totally abused my power. Totally abused yeah. my power. I think my favorite thing was the, the hot coaches. And they, you know, they be get the foot up on the boards, and they're leaning in. And oh, they're on top of you. Yeah, they're they're on top of you, spitting in your face, exactly. <laughs> and I would do that every time they would do that. I would do the hover the hands, hover the hands around the hips. Oh, oh, what's that? What? Oh, I didn't hear you. <laughs> oh, oh, boom! Ten, you're out of here. <laughs> I saw one guy. I can't even remember who it was, but he he would do the sleeve roll. Oh my he god! He would do the the sleeve roll, and then and then this, and and I can't remember another guy back in the day. He did the squeaky. He he oiled his own elbows, squeaky squeaky, and then oh teed him up. Oh my god! <laughs> and then that's that's up. crazy. I mean, we used to kind of do uh, some stuff back in the day. Uh, well, not that long ago, but you know, whatever, 10, 12 years ago, uh, or 15, I guess now. Oh, Jeez, yeah. we're getting old. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some stuff that might not fly today. No, probably <laughs> not. You happened. get a lineup of parents outside the convener's office just <laughs> giving you shit. <laughs> it's um, so true. Taking it back to the NHL, though, like uh, just in my earlier point, we just got to cut out these these penalties for nothing, and we got to call – like, I, I wish there was a way. And I, If somebody smarter than me could come up with an idea, hit us up at PuckPod. How do you get rid of the even-up call and the pity penalties? Because think about it. Hockey is the only sport where you get such an egregious opportunity to make an impact on the game. Could you imagine if in basketball they're like, yeah, you're off for two minutes, five on four. Or in baseball, it's over. Or, or yeah, no fielder, sport. no fielder. Football, oh penalty, you're off. You're off. You know, like I just it, it can happen in soccer. It's a pretty right? egregious opportunity in soccer. Yeah, but you're carded. You're out for the game. So like you get a red card, you're out for the game, and you have to do something pretty violent to get a red card or multiple yellows or multiple yellows, right? Okay, so fair. multiple fouls. But when you're red out, but there's a sport the coach with, can't put someone back in. For no, you. you're, you're, you're playing down, down okay. a man. But again, different in soccer. No, you I know just you your mean. positioning. It's a huge ass field. Yeah. It's not like you're pinned in your end for two minutes, which right. a lot of power players are. Of course. So yeah. like, it's a huge, it's a huge advantage from a power play. And just even the Ottawa Toronto game the other day, it was nonstop third period. 
penalty, penalty, penalty. We watched it together uh, the Wednesday game. Right. Penalty after penalty on either side. And even the ones that were getting called uh, against Ottawa, I was laughing. I was like, man, I would be so rattled about that call in a close game in the third period. Can these guys not play hockey? So I've always been, you know, a, a less is more when it comes to penalties. Yeah, me too. And and I understand that there's this player safety aspect of it, but it, the player safety aspect, you might as well just throw it out the damn window because I see dangerous plays all the time not that called. go uncalled yeah. when the tap on the gloves does get called. Yeah, like, so, oh, like, okay, sure, it wasn't necessarily a hit from behind, but it was still a very dangerous hit. Right. It was a dangerous hit, and the player was in a vulnerable, posi- vulnerable position right. that he didn't put himself into. Mm-hmm. That hit doesn't need to be made. Why mm-hmm. don't you call it? Call it a rough. Call yeah. it a board. Call it something. But no, he has to hobble off, and he's out for two weeks, and yeah. as soon as they come back into the zone, someone does a stick lift, and you get a fucking hooking penalty on a stick lift. It seems much more... Um when it comes to body contact infractions, that they 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 tiptoe around them much more than they do the stick infractions. Yeah, stick infractions are like it's almost like we're hearkening back to when these when the rules changed and the hold and hook and grab went away. Well, it was, and they called all those penalties back then, right, right? And now it's slashing is the problem. Yeah, it's almost like we've reverted to back when those rules first came in, and now anytime any referee sees a stick that just happens to be parallel or extended, they're giving you a penalty for it. And, and that even if you're slash making, is such a great and example. And even if you're making the right play and you're just touching a stick, if it's anywhere near the gloves, they're they're going to defer to calling it. And like you said, just like hooking and holding was back when Crosby first started in the league post that mid-2000s lockout, it was all of a sudden every hooking and holding penalty. And the last few years, it's been every slash. There yeah. was one the other day where, okay, when the guy sl- uh, slashed the stick and the stick breaks, it's a penalty, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the other day, a guy aggressively, you know, I wouldn't say slashed it, but aggressively hits Buddy's stick when battling for the puck, didn't even break a stick, and they called a penalty slashing. Oh. How is that not a legal play? How are you supposed to take away the puck from anybody if you can't, if you can't mess with their stick? And see, conversely, dude, I'm totally okay with if you break his lumber, it's a penalty. And I know it sucks. It sucks because the sticks. Yeah, I but know I mean, it sucks. It's, it's a good it, sign that you hit it too hard. Not only that, but you took a stick away from an opponent right. who now the, the team is now at a severe yes. disadvantage. Yes. So you have to call it. And that brings us back to your point. How do you get rid of the pity calls and the makeup calls? How about stop making all of these dumb calls and only make calls that refer to player safety that you just mentioned mm-hmm. and putting a team at a disadvantage, i.e. broken stick or whatever the case yeah. may be. Are you are you are you interfering on a scoring opportunity or you know what could potentially lead to a scoring opportunity or are you infringing on the safety of another player? Yeah, pretty and, easy. And- While we're on the topic, I wanted to ask you something that I heard uh, on the radio the guys were arguing about the coincidental calls. So I get a penalty for hooking and you get a penalty for diving. Right. Where are you on those, the multiple calls? I am in the position of, I okay, I understand it because it's like, okay, well, there was an infraction, but he also dove. I get that. But I think, and maybe they don't want to add this much discretion to it, but I'm of the opinion that a lot of times it's one or the other. There wasn't an infraction. It was an embellishment and call the embellishment and nothing more. But they never do that. And I have a problem with but that. But if there was an infraction, like he, then you should call it, though. Right, if there was an infraction. 
But you just said there was an infraction, but he embellished it. So right. you have to. But when there wasn't an infraction, oh, when there was it. When oh. it was when it was clearly obvious there wasn't an infraction. It's a dive. Just it's a dive. It. When was the last time it. you saw only a, a dive? A straight dive. I, I can't remember because almost it every time it is. And that's that's the unfortunate thing because it doesn't punish the diver enough. And that's why it still that's exists. That's why it still exists. Exactly. Thank you. So what the guys were saying on the radio was it's complete garbage. It can't be. It has to be one or the other. And I have to respectfully disagree. Like you just said, sometimes it can be both. I did hook you, but there's no reason for you to fucking dive like you did. Yes. So, so, so why give me a power play or not a power play? Sorry. Why give your team a power play? Even though I created an infraction, you did one just as, just as equally you dive an ass, mm -hmm. get to the box. So I'm okay with, with evening out the calls in that aspect. But the other way is when, like you said, when there's no infraction and a dive, you just do not see a dive only called. And I think there needs to be more of that. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of had his stick in there, but you fucking dove and the whole world knows it. Well, and the thing is, I guess what bothers me the most is if it weren't for the dive, the ref wouldn't have noticed the infraction to begin with. Right. right. So or, or the potential infraction. So or nothing would happen anyways. It. That's right. It would right. have been play on. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I mean, we could obviously go on for hours about this, but, uh, and, and it's a very, I understand a very difficult thing for the NHL to tackle, but I feel like their emphasis has always been, at least in the last 15, 20 years, has always been on what more can we call? What more do we want to get out of the game? Can we not look at how do we tone down the penalties a little bit? Because right now, and I know early season stats are always inflated on penalties, but the penalties are at, being called at a rate not seen since post-lockout 2005-06 or 4-5 yeah. or whatever it was. But you got to remember, though, dude, like whether or not you'll find like evidence to back this up, you can change my mind if you want to, but the league wants more goals. Okay. That's fine, but find, and, and, and power find plays other ways. Is, yeah, but power plays it's, is the best I guess way to that's, do it. Well, it's the easiest way to do it. Is it the best way? That's debatable. Well, no, I guess it's not the best way, but it, you just said it. It's definitely the easiest yeah. way. Because honestly, you know, it's, it's great if your team's special teams are great, but I, it's it's honestly frustrating to see a hockey game that's completely Decided. dictated by special teams. Yes, it often ends up being the difference when you're better at it, and there's a penalty late in the game. It plays into your advantage a little bit. But five on five play ideally is what you want to see dictating a game. I mean, I, I it always sucks. I guess if you're on the losing end and you're like, yeah, we dominated them five on five, but gave up two power play goals and lost two one. Yeah, listen, and I wanna I wanna put this on the record. My least favorite thing to do maybe in the world other than shingle a roof Ooh. is bitch about the officials. What about drywall? I haven't done much. Ooh. Not enough to Wait know. Wait till you get into that. Okay. I'll, I'll give you Not a call. A good time. I'll no, give you won't. <laughs> no, okay. you won't. But seriously, my, my least favorite thing to do as far as the sporting world is concerned is bitch about the officiating. Yes, and I'm not saying use it as an excuse or anything. Right. I just mean bitch about it in general. Yeah. And I don't mean on my couch during the game. I will bitch about it on my couch during the game. But the next day, when I go to the water cooler or when I go to Tuesday night hockey and, and we talk about the game, I you am mean the no, internet. I no, I'm just saying like when you get together with people and, and someone else wants to bitch about the officiating, I will never be that person. Yeah. And I'm only that person today right now. Because I'm bitching about it league-wide, yeah. not just the Leafs, league-wide. Yes, mm -hmm. I watch all the Leaf games every minute, but I watch a lot of hockey otherwise as well. And it's happening across the league. 
players don't know what's a penalty. Mm-hmm. Coaches don't know what's a penalty. You got fucking Tuka Rask skating to the bench thinking that he needs to pull himself or that there's a penalty coming. Did you see that, bro, by yeah, the way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wasn't that something I made else? this point before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> It's very frustrating as somebody who's been watching hockey and remembering watching hockey for like 25 years. Penalties used to be egregious. I don't know what it is. And yes, it was easier when they were egregious, but I just it's frustrating and it, it must be difficult for a new fan to comprehend what is and what isn't a penalty when I who played and have studied and watched the game my entire life yeah. and I don't know what a penalty is anymore. Any new fan that wants to know what's a penalty today versus what's a penalty yesteryear I want you to Google for the yesteryear highlight. I want you to Google the 2000 uh, quarterfinals. Just Google Stumpy Thomas. I've told you about this a thousand times. It's my favorite highlight video of all time when Barrison scored in overtime. Yes. In that overtime frame. Double overtime? No, single overtime. Really? In that overtime frame, Wendell Clark. That's right. Wendell Clark was a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. Wendell Clark hooks last journey he hooks a man down by his throat (laughs) in the offensive zone which creates a turnover and then the Leafs get a chance and that was not called now granted yes it's playoffs yes it's overtime but holy fuck like there you'd you'd have to basically murder someone on the ice in order to get a penalty if they could find a happy medium somewhere I'd appreciate it and unfortunately (laughs) it's like you said that they feel that power players are a way of generating goals whether we agree with it or not Let's move into the boys in blue since uh, you made this shrine so eloquently for our studio. Tells me when we start this podcast, she's like, I got to make sure we got to make sure it's not a leaf centric podcast. We don't want anyone, everyone to think we're just big leaf guys and all we're going to talk about is leafs. Look at Austin Massey. So we conveniently put with our, no mustache uh, our leaf segment towards the end of the show. And uh, yet, when we uh, finally get in studio video going, he insists on making it. Basically, eighty uh, percent Leafs uh, swag here, which is most of what he got, and it's some pretty nice shit. So I'm not going to knock him too hard, but uh, you know, it's not my garage, so you know, I can't do anything about it. It'll change. We'll we'll figure. We're going to keep it fresh. We're going to keep it fresh. He's got That's a bin right. full of jerseys. So tune in next week to see who's hanging up on the wall. Why would you have to bring up the bin? Now I want to walk over. No, you can't. No, there's only so many props per show. There's only so many props. You can't just, you can't, we can't just sit here and play show and tell with everything in your fucking garage. I literally floated the idea of show and tell. I floated the idea of show and tell. This guy misses great too. And I'd say, here's the signed photo, personally signed by Daryl You're just doing it anyway. (laughs) I'm doing it anyway. Okay. You miss grade two man, more man. than anybody. Eh? And you know what else is a good part of show and tell? This hockey puck, which, yes. Where is it from, Josh? This hockey puck came from Austin Matthews, this player he right here. He gave it to you. He gave it to me. He flipped it over the glass. The For best... some little kid standing in front of you. You just interrupted the best part of the story. Okay. I caught three pucks. I don't remember the players, but one was Bozak. I think, maybe. How many kids did you straight arm to get those pucks? No, listen. So there were three pucks that were thrown at me over the glass. Bozak, JVR, maybe, and someone else. I could be totally wrong. Anyway, someone's going to chirp me on Twitter that those players don't you know, match up with Matthews. Whatever. They flipped me over the glass. I caught it. And the first puck, I gave it to a little kid when okay. I leave Jersey. And the, par- and the parents were like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And I was like, yeah, I don't need this puck. Like, I'm not here for this. I don't care about the puck. I'm just here to watch the boys. And then I got a second one flipped over to me, and I handed it to another kid. 
And then sure enough, I got a third puck flipped to me by someone else. It was crazy. They were flipping them over, and I must have been – I don't know. I, but You're the, the distributor. The third puck, I literally had to look around, and I saw a kid like four rows away, and I went and gave it to the little kid. Like I'm like, what am I even doing here? And then I flipped over, and I go, oh, man, there's Matthews. He's the last one on the ice. And I was just going to give him a fucking standing ovation, be like, I love you, Matthews. You're our fucking savior, you know? And he's coming over, and I'm pointing at him, and I'm giving him the thumbs up I'm like let's go baby let's go he flipped it to me I catch it and I go how do I give this one away is that why you're growing a mustache too no it's not I'm angry that you brought that up we'll talk about that later fine but I'm like I'm like I go I go how am I supposed to give this one away man like I gave three this one you've done your charity this This is yours this one should be mine you know, and I'm literally looking at it and thoughts go through your brain a lot faster than I'm talking about it out loud. But eventually I said, no, I am going to give it to one more kid because I did three. Why wouldn't I do the last one? It just seems right to do it again. Right. And I looked around and I looked around and there was nothing and because like, the, the lights went deep and he was the last one out there and everyone had gone to their seats because, you know, everyone goes down there and then they go to their seats. They left. And I'm like, well, fuck it. In the pocket, she went, and pretty sick. Like, I'm pumped to know that that's how this one came to be, and the fact that you chirped me thinking, oh, yeah, you probably punched a kid to get it. No, I did the opposite. You did the opposite. I gave pucks away, well, good, good and man. The, the parents were so happy. Maybe They're Matthew like, really saw nice. you giving pucks away, and he's like, you know what? I'll give him one more. I said that to someone. I said, I wonder if he saw me maybe and was like, this one's for you, bro, because he was looking like we made eye contact. I was like, this is cool. I was like, this is cool. Like, I don't, don't know this guy at all. He's way younger than me, and I'm sitting here, like, fucking stroking him <laughs> off on mid-stroke, and he throws me the puck. You know, I thought it was fantastic. So, anyway, no more show and tell. Uh, we'll get to that later. Maybe next week. We'll, Maybe we'll next see week. What, we'll see what's on the, on the desk here for next week. <laughs> Maybe next um, week. It was 5-1. Oh, are we going there? Well, we have to, man. We have to. We're going to talk about the least, the biggest story in the last week, other than them beating the piss out of Ottawa for uh, – I don't know. Actually, that's that's an overstatement because they didn't play very well on Wednesday and they they managed to win. That I felt like they snuck that one out. So they they beat up on R for two periods on the first game where it was five one. Uh, I was going to go to bed. I don't normally do that. I am a watch it to the end, down five one, up five one. Me too. But that was like okay, laughable, this is boring. Like yeah, getting on boring. And it but was if like, it's points night, why wouldn't you want to watch? Honestly, I thought the points were about done. I figured like they'd. They were spent. Let, letting off the gas pedal. Pretty much. Like, it's pretty hard, I think, when you're up that bad. And, and man, Matthew's making it look easy. Like, they looked like they were playing a junior B team in the second period. But then all of a sudden, they score that goal at the end of the second period. And I'm like... The Nick Paul shorty? Ooh. I'm, I'm thinking here. I'm it's a thinking. Tough one. I'm like, okay, I'll stay up for the third because this... And us, okay. Us as, long, okay. us as long-suffering Lee fans, we know... That there is no safe lead in hockey, if you are cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I stayed up, and then uh, I believe it was Artem Zub. Uh, Zub, what out a of the goal. box! What a goal, man! That guy's got some good hands, and I will say, in the game last night, he was quite noticeable again. Uh, he's playing upwards of, I think, now breaking the twenty-minute mark. Yeah, uh, and for he's the in his mid or late twenties, isn't he? I have no idea how old you that guy almost, is. You should almost look it up because I will I'm fact check because it. I'm fairly certain he 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 qualifies. Is he like a late bloomer? He, like a, like just, a Justin Hall? I was just gonna say he qualifies as one of those late bloomers. I think like a not a reclamation project per se. Maybe. 1995 birth there. Oh, he's agent, right? 
So he's I only, mean, he's only seven years younger than us, so he's old as shit. Well, I mean, it's not not to say that he's so old, he's twenty five. That's what I'm saying, though. He's not nineteen twenty, right, like Entering right. the league, yeah, and um, it is his first year. He played in the KHL for four years. Uh, he was he's an undrafted signee as well, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so um, that's that's free money right there. Yeah, pretty much, and and nice looking like move, a, looking too. like a good one for Ottawa. Nice dangle. Um, I'll I'll get this out of the way first because I know we're going to be pretty leaf centric in this conversation as we tend to be, but. I will give Ottawa all the credit in the world. It was not a very well uh, discussed thing. And, you know, I wouldn't say the least were god awful or anything in that third period, but Ottawa so much looked like the Maple Leafs of 2016, where they said, We got nothing to lose. We're a bunch of young guys with a whole bunch to prove. A bunch of guys who were starving for ice time and starving to stay in the lineup went out there and they did not quit. Didn't quit. And that's their MO. They were going hard. It was, it was. I shouldn't say it's beautiful to see him goddamn leaf fan. What am I saying? But it, <laughs> it, honestly, there was something positive there. And and for for now what has become long-suffering Seth fans, I guess you could say, or at least over the last few years, that was a little like glimmer. Hey. A little glimmer of capabilities and, and a showing of skill because there is some skill on this team. And it's it showed through in that third period effort. Look it. At the very least, here's what I will say about that 5-1 collapse. It was nice to see that my Sens friends on social media are <laughs> still to, alive. Got to be happy. No? Oh, because you haven't heard from them haven't so heard, long. Haven't heard a single peep. First thing they do is they dust off the laptop. They dust it Going off. Going in on Facebook, Josh. At Josh Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. You suck it, suck yeah. it, yeah. suck it, or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it was just, it was it's over been a while. and over. Hey, did you watch the game tonight? Hey, was there a game last night? Do you know what the outcome was? And oh, it was yeah. just everyone I no, responded to. Fully knowing you watched. Everyone I responded to was just like, look, man, I got to hand it to you. Good on you. A, I'm happy to hear you're well. Haven't heard from you in a while. Staying safe out there. Staying safe out there. And B, hey, man. If I can help with my fan, my 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 fanboy life that is the Toronto Maple Leafs, if I can help you be happy winning your version of the Stanley Cup, <laughs> then great. If you want to split the season series, great. If you want to even fucking beat us in the season series, great. I'm over it. Much the same as when Ottawa was a good team, let's go, making the playoffs, and we were toiling in the basement. We would beat them a couple times too. And you know what they would say? How's the basement? How's the basement? How's the view from down there? So Hey, we it, kept it warm for them for several it's years. It's not the same conversation, we know what but the it kind of is, like. is. We know what we it's We lived like. in the basement. You chirping me about us beating or you know you guys beating us is it's great i actually am happy for you because i know yeah. i know that it means nothing whereas back in the late thousands and early 2010s yeah. when we were garbage when we would beat you as a garbage team I was you there. would fucking cry yeah, and i was there <laughs> i was there too to ready to give it to them just cuz back then you take any glimmer of hope or joy you could get that's right um i will say that i am excited 
for the future rivalry. Like I, I, I have some hopes that Ottawa and Toronto can be what uh, Toronto and Montreal are. It's the first time I can remember where Toronto and Montreal have been good at the same time. Yeah. So I really hope we can see similar to what we saw in the early 2000s where Ottawa and Toronto were both competitive teams, perennial playoff contenders. Yes. Uh, so I'd love to see that, and I, and I can see it. I can see it coming. They've, I think it's coming. It's coming, for sure. Coming. Like they've, they've, got it, they've got some talent. They're going to keep getting high draft picks, obviously, being where they are in the standings. But to be completely honest with you, I really hope they do hurry up. <laughs> because I want to be also really good too. I want them to be good I, and us and to be good. Let's, you know, we can beat up on them a little while longer, but uh, but by the looks of things, it's, it's when they show up though. Because honestly, you could probably say argue that Ottawa's two best games of the season were their first game where they beat the Maple Leafs mm-hmm. and their whatever game when they came back. So, Monday, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, Monday, yeah. I uh, I had to go on Twitter. I I, I thought at first when they lost, I was like, I'm not going online to read the doom and the gloom. And oh, I love to, but there it. It, I do, and I like I feel like that's part of like a long suffering Leaf fan addiction thing we got going. <laughs> but give me the needle. Yeah, give me the needle. You know what? Give me the sword. Stick it right in my ass. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, I, uh, so I went to find the hottest takes I could. And I didn't have to scroll far. I spent about a minute. Hot takes. The hottest takes. Okay. So this you got is, some hot takes? This is what I, okay, I, I, I'm pretty I excited actually, for this. I actually wrote them down. Okay, I'm pretty excited Because I wanted to make sure I, I got to share them with all you great folks listening to the Bucks and Deep podcast and are watching online. At PuckPod, baby. Uh, Morgan Riley fucking sucks. Yikes. Your response? I just gave it to you. <laughs> yikes. Yeah, yikes. I mean, <laughs> I, I have rethought my allegiance to Riley. I mean, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know we absolutely love him, love him as person, player, all that stuff. But is it because our defense has been so bad for so long that we haven't really recognized maybe some of the more nonchalant or minuscule faults in his game? No, I and, can tell and you. And I think why everyone was on him was the OT. He had an open net, but not really. Because Murray or uh, uh, Hogarug was out, but there was like three senators in front of the net, namely Dadnov, and yet smoked him. There's Pappy sitting there back door, oh, no. ready and cocked, and it was he, over. for the Hattie. For the Hattie, man, right? it was over. That that's gonna haunt. That's gonna haunt us for a little while, I guess, because that that you know we wouldn't even be talking about this game if <laughs> well, they just closed it out. Listen, three three seconds after Dadanov scored which which let's be completely honest that was maybe the worst goaltending effort on a breakaway that I've ever yeah. seen I'll give in him my a coin flip on a breakaway because it's a breakaway but yeah but he guessed right what NHL goaltender other than Curtis Joseph can guess it's a lot of guessing no but it was a straight guess like yeah. hey I think you're gonna go down here anyway who cares um, as soon as it went in, three seconds after, I picked my phone up and I went into my one Leaf group chat with the boys and I said, I typed in, is it too soon to ask why Riley didn't pass to Matthews? <laughs> like, it was clearly the play. Yeah. Matthews had six by four, no question. Yeah. And I understand Riley, he, he one-timed it, so it's not like he had a bunch, you know, a and bunch he, of time. And he saw open net. Like yeah, you had to there. think like I'm thinking me in that situation I'm absolutely shooting for that net because you're like well, it was OT wide open net why aren't I going to shoot he wasn't even looking at Matthews I know so but, I get you, that. but you got to be thinking ahead let's go it's three on three overtime if this shot doesn't yes. work we're in trouble exactly if this shot doesn't work we're in trouble if and that's I, what if, if I dish over to my franchise center who leads the league in, in goals and has mm. two tonight if I dish over to him I'm back. That's the biggest adjustment yet to be made and it's probably a difficult one to be made in three on three since three on three has come in. Teams have have not 
realized or or seem to fail to realize when they get caught up in the moment the is repercussions. that if three of you get below the dot and you're screwed. If you don't score. There. If that misses the net, rims are on the boards, whatever, and you're gassed. Say you've been in the ozone for a minute or something. Sure. You're gassed. You so have you're, to you're score. Done. I know what you're saying. Like, and it, you have to score, otherwise you're completely yeah. fucked. So while I disagree with the hot take, I will say that my... I think now we might be taking a closer look at Riley's defensive play is coming under the microscope because he's been our guy forever. But now that the defense is probably the best it's been since I can remember, yes, it has maybe exposed his defensive shortcomings. He's always played like a winger. He's always had that skill set, so it's not that surprising. But now that Hall and, and Muzzin are the de facto shutdown best pair we have by far, it, it's really made us look at Riley like maybe in a, a little bit of a different light than we once did. Let me also slide in a little aspect or a little tidbit and let you, let you chew on this. The people who have those takes will always have those takes and oh, yeah. have always had those takes. They probably said that five times in the last three years. Yeah, and right? I mean and I mean that about the player specifically. Right. So that person that says Riley sucks, maybe they love Marner. So Marner can do no wrong. Right. But maybe someone who loves Marner hates Riley. Yeah. So those two guys are going to cancel each other out. They're always going to hate on yeah. the player that they hate on. And it kind of brings us, I don't know if you want to segue to this or not, but it kind of brings us to William Nylander, mm -hmm. how much he's been you know, criticized over the course of, okay. of his career. And I feel like if you're on one side of the fence, it is impossible to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And I told you and Lee uh, in our group oh, chat yeah, so recently. So that's one of my hot takes. You I, made the list. Okay, all right. Hot <laughs> takes. Willie shouldn't be in the NHL. Oh, okay. Well, come on. I mean, I may have called him a bum. Like, but that's just sports lingo. Like, he's a bum. You like, said he, he should be in the minors. No, I didn't. I said he's a bum. I said he's playing like an AHL player right now. No. I'm, oh, I'm going goodness. to the group okay, chat. Go to the I'm group chat in. then. Because I'm let me tell you. In. Let me tell you. Pucks in deep. We always go deep on the group this chat This podcast here. is a testament to my support of William oh, yeah. Nylander. I'm not calling into question your allegiances to, to the great William Nylander. I am just saying this, this is one of the hot, hottest takes I encountered post-game. It's personal. Is Willie... What? What did you say here? Uh, is Willie even in the league? Is Willie still in the league? Yeah. Yeah, but come on. You're, you're twisting my question. It was just a joke question. Is Willie still in the league? Because I haven't seen him. Right. Okay. So I, I, might, I will give you some credit. You misread I, a bit. I did misinterpret it a bit as basically why is he still in the league. Oh, no. It was basically a question like I, right. I bought milk today and I right. saw William so Nylander's face on the on fucking the carton. carton. Got it. Um, I'm not – was Willie have? 13 points in 17 games right now, 16 games, something like that. Uh, I yeah, know he the, went cold for eight games. Eight games, no goals. Got I think the, it was like got the monkey off his back. Four last night. or five games with no points. Yep. no penalties. Yep. no nothing, and one or two shots well, not, per game. I'm not ready to single out Nylander only because that line outside of Zach Hyman or whoever else has been rotating in there. Basically, since Simmons has been gone, that line Garbage. has been gone. Yes, right. So. And we're paying eleven I, something gonna, for for Tavares. I'm just going to extend it to the line. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and single out Tavares or Nylander, um, both mainly because both of them have been pedestrian and lackluster, and they've haven't been terrible, but they've not been what we expect. What we expect for the Maple Leafs and what we assume is their biggest advantage is that they have two first lines. But if one of those lines doesn't show up, then we're down to one. 
and we're down to three third lines, it seems like. And I don't know what's happening to John Tavares, and I gave him a shout-out for being unreal. Early in the season, looked like he had some jump in his step, looked like something he was lacking last year. He was well-rested, whatever it is. I agree. But he has been uh, abysmal. Weird lately. Like, the turnovers. The turnovers. The passes. I mean, I okay, maybe sometimes Willie's not skating to the lanes he wants him to or whatever, but the turnovers have been egregious. Oh. And not just in that game where they lost to Ottawa and we, everyone put that one under the microscope, under the one goal. There were several. That had been going on for games prior. Yeah. Even that same game, I think he had six or seven turnovers before the shorty ended up And that's up so in. unlike him because he's usually just a really responsible safe. player. He's a very safe, safe player, exactly. Boards, windows out, and he does a really good job of bringing more uh, bringing more attackers on him mm-hmm. and freeing up some space for other players. But mm-hmm. he just is, honestly, Lesko, it's down to decision-making. I've bitched about decision-making since the early days of Jake Gardner. Oh. You know, like... De- Don't it, talk about decision-making. But it was decision-making that made me lose my mind. It's not that he is a bad player, and I don't mean Gardner specifically. I mean anyone that you're talking about making poor decisions. It is a fast game out there. We get that. But... There are just moments now watching Tavares that I, I don't even know who he is. He gets the puck and he decides to to to, to dish some little four foot sauce pass into the middle, and the defender reads it like a book. Not only is he making yeah. bad decisions, let's go. He's telegraphing mm-hmm. his bad decisions. I can see it they're from re- my couch. Readable, yeah. It's 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 really unfortunate. And I, you know, I I give Tavares at just like I give Nylander the benefit of the doubt. They'll figure it out. They'll move on. I think and, so too. And why they have to worried. figure out? They have to figure out because I'm sure Sheldon has told them. Yeah, these two guys, Matthews, Meyer, not breaking them up. So you boys figure it out, or you're sitting more. Yeah, and I think your, your numbers will dwindle. That's it. Yeah, and I think that's an that's an obvious thing. Lesko is to not break that pairing up. Okay. I actually wanted to ask you. I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to. If I didn't get a chance to, then I didn't. But I wanted to ask you if you thought that. 34 and 16 at any point should be split up. How my my vote is no. Yeah, unless, unless they go on a, I don't know, three, four game losing streak, absolutely not. How could you? How could you? The hottest, hottest duo in the NHL right now. Yeah. Um, they're both, you know, Matthew's leading the league in points. Uh, don't well, look now. Goals. Don't look now, but in McDavid's rearview mirror is Mitch Marner, five points behind him right now. Yeah. So in the same amount of games. So that's, yeah. those guys, you can't break them up. You just can't. And no. with, with the way they're clicking with Big Joe, um, and, uh, you know, I, I was going to go off on a bit of thing about Big Joe, and I'll save that for later because I got two more hot takes for you. Okay. <laughs> Dude, we're at an hour and a half here. we got to get wrapped up. Okay, all right. Two enough. more hot takes, wrap it up. All right. Sound all right, good? Okay. All right. This is worse than the Leafs losing to Carolina and David Ayers. <sighs> where, are, where do you stand on that? Because the immediate aftermath, we saw people ranking uh, Boston, yeah, Carolina, this, and this. That. Okay, okay. Um, you know what? I originally was going to say there's no way the David Ayers is way worse. But upon further review in the last 10 seconds of my life, I think I might have to agree. Really? Can See, I, I, I'm not on that camp, but justify your point. Can I justify? David Ayers did not win that game. David Ayers almost blew it. If you actually go back and watch the tape, he was in line to win it. I, like, not the goalie of record. Whoever left, who left? 
Uh, they both Reimer left. and Mrazek. <laughs> they both left. So Reimer and Mrazek left. I'm not saying that Ayers was the re- the goalie of record, but he came into the game and it was a winnable so they game. Didn't, they didn't put enough shots on him and they were off. The Carolina Hurricanes yeah. won the game. It wasn't yeah. David Ayers. And I've right. said that from day one and I'll continue to say it. People right. love to make fun of me because right. I'm it's a not Leaf like fan. He stole the I'm show not making an excuse. Right. He let in too many goals. Right. He almost blew it. I know. Okay. So now, now, if David Ayers started the game or came into the game when it was tied and yeah. his team won, then absolutely, yeah. there's no chance that this is worse than the David okay. Ayers. But so it, I'll justify my point by saying David Ayers entered the game in a favorable situation. Right. Only okay. one period to I go. I think there were a couple up, right? A multiple goal yeah. lead, two yeah. or three. All right, so my, my reaction is it's not worse. It can't be worse. I don't think anything could be worse. This, this game is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. This guy was on... It was on Good Morning. He did the talk show circuit the next day. Yeah, but that's because this, of his fame. It wasn't because of the look, actual situation how much that of happened. An, how much it is because of the situation that happened. How much of an but anomaly no, it, it was? The situation gets blown out of proportion by people who don't even know what hockey it was, is. I know, but it's, an, it's such an anomaly, and it was so. It was so like when he went in, it's like okay, there's no way they can lose this game because they're gonna light this guy. They didn't even put him up enough shots to win that. But game. that's not David Ayers. That's not that's because the of, Leafs not producing. The Leafs not doing. Did you watch the game, bro? I Car- did. Carolina was incredible yes, in they front were. of David Ayers. Yes, they were. But incredible. They, but still, on any given night, we would t- say the Maple Leafs are better than the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, well, hey, that could be argued. So man. They're just, a great team. Just because of how unique and rare and weird and awful. Agreed. Awful, I felt after that game. It was ludicrous. It, I just don't see anything. I just don't see it being worse. It can't be. That's a little extremist. Uh, some, you know, some game like, and that game was later in the year too. So it was it really more. like a, it a, meant more. I would say like an unofficial referendum on the team a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. and what the yeah. group felt like. So yeah, I'm not telling you you're wrong, but I think it's a good agree to disagree on this right. one okay. only because of you make like, a fair point. I'll I mean, I think you. I do make a fair point if David, because it was less about the goalie, more about the hockey game, the hockey game. Yeah, yeah. But then of course, David Ayers becomes yeah. the celebrity. It's He's the a Leafs, Zamboni driver. It's all the least lack of ability to take advantage of the opportunity. I think that really hit it for makes me. it worse it's like i feel like the leafs lost that game in that they didn't they should have won it because they should have been able to score on this guy well if i remember correctly let's go they put one on him quickly. almost immediately quickly and, and i was and like oh easy. no i feel bad for this yeah, guy. yeah you thought it was gonna be points tonight all but then they only got like seven more shots mm-hmm. i think he only made nine saves yeah, so it was their own fault okay last <laughs> hot take really of interested to hear where you stand Fred is good. Oh, no. But when he's bad, he's Toscala. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, you, so take it back to the late <laughs> 2010s or uh, mid-2000s to whatever it was. 2008. I don't remember. Oh, man. Poor Fred. The, uh, Bro. I, okay, are you just throwing these at me to get my opinion? Or do you, yes, do, or, I want or, your opinion. Or do you disagree with all these no, takes? I, I I disagree. Well, you know what? This, Th- one, this one's hard. This one's hard, This bro. one's hard. Because when Fred's bad, it's like... He's bad. It's, and and I, it's hard because I trust Fred in the games, and it's not. I'm thrown off by those goals more than I'm like, oh, yeah, typical Fred, right? That one in the tweeners or whatever. <laughs> but, but, so true. but, dude, there are some goals where it's like... He all, all of a sudden, he's like goes from being, in your mind, one of the top goalies in the league to being like just some mediocre guy that we got as a backup prayer from San Jose. Freddie Anderson is the hockey version of a 10 handicap in golf. 
And for our golf non-golf fans that are listening and watching, a 10 handicap is going to shoot in the mid-80s. Right. So he might shoot. Pretty good. So he might shoot like par-ish. Pretty good. Golf, but then doubles, the, triples. But, but some night he might just like ninety-eight, like like basically garbage. Like, buddy, you're you're done here. We're not letting you ten putt this hole. He's garbage, right? Like Freddie, so, so Freddie when he's bad, he's bad. Yeah, but, but when he, he's good. He's decent. When he's good, he's so good. Yes, he's he's shooting and five over, four over par. Like what a great day you had! Multiple birdies, you know, and a couple of bad ones. No big deal. Yeah, but when he's bad. You, you you can't even get yeah. off the tee. And I'm, I'm not going to harp on Fred either because I've, I've been a supporter of his. He's the best goalie we've had in a long time, probably since Ed Belfort. We said yes. that before. Agreed. Uh, he bounced back from that game, thankfully. He played again against Ottawa also Wednesday. Agreed. And, and they got outplayed by Ottawa and outshot, I believe. And he stood up just tall enough that we needed for the win. I agree. Uh, we're wrapping it up, but let me yes. ask you. We go into the playoffs this year. We all know it's Frederick Anderson. I'm more worried about the team's ability to close out than Frederick Anderson's ability to close out. Why? Because they got to put themselves in the winning position. They have, and he fails to bail them out. It's not all on him to win. It never is. In the third period. It's no, it never is. It's not all on him to bail it out. To isolate him as the root of the loss in Game 7 is not fair entirely. Even if there are squeakers or whatever, it's still not all on him. There's still other things. You could go ahead under a microscope and pick... Uh, you could pick 10 plays from 10 different players that cause them to lose any of those hockey games. It's That's so... hockey, but the goalie bears the brunt because he's the last line of defense. He's the one that ends up on the highlight reel, and he's the one that you see because it's the goal. It's the direct puck going into the net as opposed to the puck getting turned over at the offensive blue line or the guy getting the penalty or the guy, you know, fucking up, whatever it is. It's so funny that you brought that up because that was my quick last question to you was going to be what about the open nets that the player just completely fucks it up and it should have been three nothing but he missed and it was in the first period no one cares about it right no but one cares they, about it at all they, but then they uh they score a five hole goal on freddie to tie the game and you're like right. oh he's garbage yeah but you what know, about the garbage guy who hit the post and the open net? That's what I'm saying. Or missed it or whatever. Right. Fell down on a breakaway. He was on a yeah. breakaway. He fell over or you whatever. You can play like, that same game with so many plays throughout a hockey game all the time. So I'm just not a fan of like beating up on the goaltender for that. Now, if he does that every game and loses you multiple games, then you're not out of line. But let's go. He does it to us when it matters the most. How can you, how can you not acknowledge it's that. It's still, at the end of the day, it's still two hockey games. Okay, but what if the Leafs play an incredible game and it's 3-1? to one Then, and yes, they, they, you're talking about a situation where criticism's warranted, right? But that has happened too many times. There's though. criticism warranted on that play, on that goal. But to extrapolate and say... All this period of work. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the Leafs would have won that series if it weren't for Freddie Anderson. No, I disagree with you there. Right? Yeah. But, but that's what I feel like people are saying when they're like, Freddie lost us that game seven, can't perform in the big game. It's extremely recency would biased. Would we like him to? Absolutely. Have we seen him perform a good 60 and steal us a game? Yes. Not as much as other elite goaltenders. Yeah, but, but, be, but be honest with me. Do you have faith in Frederick Anderson yes. to get us over the line yes. when it's when it's when it's yes. crunch time. Yes. You really do. Absolutely. I'm interested to know how or why. Honestly, all they have to do 
is they have to win as a team because if they put themselves in a position to be successful, they will be. Going down to game seven, third period, is my faith in him shaken? Yes. Yes. But in a playoff series, going into a playoff series this year, no. No, I feel we can do it. Right. But then if the series plays itself along and now it's game going seven. Going to third period, game seven, 4-3 <laughs> lead, third period, yes, I'm worried. You're worried. That's what I asked. That's I'd be worried asked. regardless. It's the Maple Leafs we're talking about. <laughs> we could have Carey Price stacked on top of no. Carter Hurt. Fucking Megatroning it out there. <laughs> stacked on top of Carter Hurt. Oh, man, there's no better way to end it. Play us off. We're done. There's no better way to end it, my friend. I'm fucking ending it. Good. Dude, what a show. supposed to be an hour. But we're hot. We haven't been going. This is what happens when we don't go for two weeks. Things go out of hand. You're right. Maybe we should just wait for two weeks all the time. I don't know. I don't know. It's too long. This video, this is going to be an hour and 40-some minutes. It's going to take That's a job for the producer. 20 hours. We need a producer. That's you, man. We don't need one. This is the worst. You get to go home and jerk off, and I have to stay here. Jerk off? (laughs) I have a wife. I have a wife at home. Thank you very much. I was saying I was going to go home, drink beers, and play Fortnite, but uh, maybe I'll change my plan. It's not even 8 o'clock. You're going to leave my driveway, and I have to sit here for probably four hours and fucking get everything done. We need a producer. If you are out there, and you are listening, and you are watching, and you love what you see in here, shoot me an email. And you can work for free. And you can work for free. That goes without saying, bro. Wrap it up. Episode 77, (laughs) Pucks in Deep Podcast, at Coleman42. That's it. Let's go, Adam. And at Pod. On Twitter, you can find me at Lesco8 on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too, but not very often. Um, not LinkedIn. Uh, anywhere else we can find us? Probably Grinder uh, for add you. Add me Xbox Live, Ball and Blinsky. Play hey, some Fortnite. Play some Fortnite. Uh, hit me up. All right. Well, hey, there's my man's first e- exit outro of all time. I can't beat it. I can't beat it. Episode 77, Hammer Time, baby. She's in the books. We'll see you guys when we see it.